It's uh, really lovely to see you all this morning. I was just watching you all chat with one another as you um, did your greetings and, and saw people that you knew. And it was just lovely to, to see you just uh, interacting with, with each other as uh, our brother was just finishing off that, that piece. And I just thank the Lord that um, you've come this morning. Uh, if you are new to the church, you are new to Sunday morning services here at the church, welcome. Uh, this is an opportunity now, after we worship our God, to hear from His Word. Uh, and I want to share with you from God's Word uh, for the next half an hour or so. And hopefully that's an encouragement to you uh, and it helps you. It helps you. The church is quite a diverse group of people. Uh, when Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, where He didn't mean He's going to build a really magnificent building. Uh, when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, He wasn't talking about all the bells and whistles of church buildings <clears throat> when jesus said i'm going to build my church he's talking about you he's talking about the individuals that uh want to know more about him that love him that give their life to him he's building them and so you're in the process of god building you god you're in the process of god doing a work in you because jesus promised that he was going to build his church and this is what we are today this is who we are today and this is why we do what we do so i want to pray this morning and ask god to uh, bless his word to us. Let's pray. Let's ask God's blessing on his word. And we trust that the Lord is good. He's good and he hears, he hears our prayer. And he is the God who, who answers us. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come before your word. We thank you for the opportunity to come and listen to what you have to say to us. This is your time. You, you've you've uh, allowed us to come together to, to worship you and, and, and to um, receive from you. And so we pray your hand, your blessing and protection be upon us as your building, as your church. Father, we pray for those that you know continue to suffer perhaps silently. And we pray that your, you may speak into their lives, that you may reassure them of your presence and your promises to them and that they may call out to the name of the Lord, and by calling out to you, Lord, to demonstrate yourself to be strong and mighty uh, in their circumstance. So we commit them to you as well. We commit this time to you, Lord. We thank you for the freedom to come before your word, and we pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> what a wonderful thing to be able to um, come before God's word this morning um, and to listen, listen intently to what the Lord has to say. Most of you, I would imagine, most of you, if not all of you, hopefully, have, are here this morning because there is something in your heart, there is something in your heart that says, you know, uh, I need to hear something of God's Word. You know, I need to hear something of God's Word. That there is, I'm hoping that everybody, if not most people in this room, have come because there's an appreciation of God's Word and an understanding that it is able to speak to your life and transform your life. Because if you didn't come with this and you came kind of thinking, you know, whatever, then you, that's probably how you're going to leave. That's probably how, that's the kind of what you're going to take away, whatever, you know. But if you come this morning with a sense of, you know, God's Word is not just a word or a book, but it's the words of God, it's the life of God that speaks into us, that transforms and changes. It actually can take brokenness and heal it. Yep. It can take pain and heal it. 
that can take addictions and heal that. If you come believing in what God's Word can do, not what this church can do or what I can do, but what God's Word can do, then you begin to believe and see the transforming of God's power in your life. It's incredible to listen to people's stories, people's stories who come and share just how they used to be and how they have become because God's grace has moved into their lives. And those people are not unique. They're not they used to be like this because they were some a particular group of people. No, they, they are just a reflection of who we all are. And so every one of us can give a testimony of those who know Jesus, of how you used to be and what God has done in your life because this is the grace of God. The grace of God has come into our lives to restore to restore things, you know. I often tell a story and I often um, make reference to the, the Humpty Dumpty story, you know, how you know, all the king's horses and all the king's men, they couldn't put him back together again, you know, because that's, they're not able to do it. God doesn't work like that. God doesn't think, oh, too hard. Can't do it. Cannot do it. This is too many pieces here. Too many broken pieces here. I'm not able to do it. It's beyond my grace and beyond my ability. Thank God that that's what he gathers. He goes looking for the most broken pieces and says, let me show you how powerful I am. Let me show you just how powerful my word is to restore things that were broken, relationships, friendships, whatever is going on in life. Let me show you just how well I can do this. Because once my word becomes at the center of everything, if you're prepared to put it at the center of everything and you're prepared to surrender who you are to it, then you're going to see God's word work powerfully in your life. And that's the promise and the hope. So I'm trusting that most of you are here this morning, not because you want to see a glamorous church or a, a glamorous um, music production. But what you're here this morning to see is the Word of God shared, and you're re- willing to receive. You're willing to receive it and watch it change, change your life. And so the last couple of times I've shared with you, I've been talking about 1 Corinthians 13, sorry, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, and how God has actually promised His people, God has promised His church, His children, that they will always have the ability to stand that they can stand in the midst of those temptations. They can stand when life gets tough and things get hard and temptations come our way. That God is promising His children that they will stand. And so what we look to is God, in God's Word is for those examples and those truths with, that reinforce this, this conviction that God is calling His people to stand. And we're not looking to all these wrong examples that we think help excuse the way we live. We don't want to find excuses for living badly or poorly. You don't want to go looking for people in, that you know around you or people in history and you think, or people in the Bible and think, oh, look, that's great. You know, I can live like this because look at these people in my life. That's not how we function as, as Christians. Rather, we look to the truths of God's Word. We look, at to the, we look to His Word alone and we find that God is promising His people that they're able to always stand. And so I want to start this morning just reflecting on one, one verse, and then we'll go back to, to 1 Corinthians 10. If you want to turn to it, you're welcome. It's the verse in Hebrews chapter 4, um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Um, I just want to just reflect on this verse for a little bit uh, in light of what I've been sharing with you and hope that what it does, it continues to encourage us and builds confidence and in, in not in, in what we can do as a church, but rather in what the Lord is able to do uh, in you. So Hebrews chapter 4 is, um, is a reference to the God of mercy and what He's 
uh, wanting to do in our lives. So let's reflect on this as God's promise, God's promise to his children. Listen to what it says. He says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, obviously, God is um, referring to whatever that need might be when we're actually in a place where we're feeling like we're going to give up in something. We're going to give in to something. This is this place of need that we're all find ourselves vulnerable at times to perhaps want to um, give in to something we know we shouldn't. And so the Bible reminds us here of something really important. It says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. This is an act of boldness. You know, sometimes we, it actually almost sounds like a bit of a contradiction to how we understand God in our relationship with God. Because sometimes we think of ourselves, we come to God and we've got to come to God very timid and very sort of um, careful and cautious because of who God is. And while that's true to some extent, we don't come to God arrogantly and we don't come to God proudly as if to say, oh, you know what, I deserve to come to God, I'm entitled to come to God. We don't come with a sense of arrogance. At the same time, there isn't really, shouldn't be a sense of being timid or cautious because the Bible says when you have a need, you can come to the throne of grace boldly. You can come boldly because this is the relationship between a father and a child. This is the relationship that a child has to their father when the father says, whenever you need me, come. And come confidently knowing I'll be here for you. And so the child who's in need finds themselves coming boldly to the throne of grace because they know the Father is waiting attentively to receive their prayer, to hear their prayer, and to answer and respond to them in that time of need. What a beautiful relationship between the child and the Father. Don't be timid, son. Don't be cautious. Come boldly. I want to help you. You have a need? You feel like you're about to give in? You feel like you're about to give up? Come boldly. Come, because I'm ready to extend my hand out to you and get you out of this situation. You don't need to doubt. You don't need to fear. You don't need to second-guess yourself. You can trust that what I've said to you, I will fulfill. And so he says he wants us to come boldly to the throne of grace because it becomes his throne. It becomes his place. It becomes his strong tower that we said last week that the righteous run to and are safe. It no longer becomes our throne. It no longer becomes our dominion. It no longer becomes what we think we're capable of because the truth is we are capable of very little when it comes to the kingdom of God. The truth is, God is asking us to come to His throne, the place where all provision pours out. And He says, if you're prepared to come boldly to this place, then what happens? You will receive mercy, because we all need that. Boy, we all need that. This place of... uh, um, undeserved goodness of God, this mercy. Imagine where you and I would be without mercy. Imagine for a moment, God said, I'm not going to give you mercy. I'm holding back my mercy from you. Imagine where you'd be sitting today. And God promises that if you come to the throne of grace boldly, then what he's going to pour out is mercy. He's going to give you everything you think you can't do because that's him being merciful to you. When you come to God and you say, God, you know, look at my circumstance. 
Look at my circumstance. Look at where I'm in today. Look where I have found myself. And I don't know how I'm going to get out and all I feel like doing is giving in. And God says, you know what? That's exactly where I need you to be. Because now I'll show you mercy. I'll show you what you can't do. I'll give you mercy. And he says, I'll do something else for you. You'll find grace. You'll find this undeserved love of God and promise to empower you in areas you thought you were absolutely hopeless in. And he said, I'll give you grace as well. Because you're coming to me in a time of need. Now, I don't know about you, brothers and sisters, but I look at this verse and I think, boy, this isn't a verse of hopelessness. This isn't a verse of despair. This isn't a verse where we say to God, God, I don't know if you can. This is a verse full of hope and confidence to the Christian that promises that if they come to God humbly, boldly believing, God is promising that he'll give everything that we need in a time of need. This isn't a verse that says, I'm bound to give in to my temptation when it comes my way. Is it? But rather... And uh, um, there is a confidence in the Christian in believing, in the child of God in believing, that if we were to come, uh, knowing this is what God is asking for us, uh, asking of us, then He's going to provide for us indeed. The question is this: Do we really, really seek Him in time of need? Is it like this, just changing all the time, a little bit here, a little bit there? But the question is, if I'm promising you this, am I prepared to be absolutely committed to seeking him in these times of need? Or do I convince myself, what's the point? I'm going to give in anyway. I'm going to give up anyway. It's not going to happen anyway. And we stop this pursuit of seeking God and never really see the blessing of him delivering. The Bible says this, listen to what it says later on in Hebrews. But he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is, and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, earnestly seek him, who endeavor to seek out God. This isn't just kind of something that, you know, um, we do occasionally or we do just for a moment. Because when we have a deep need and we have a situation we think is beyond us and we really want to get out of this situation and we don't want to keep running back to the same thing again, then all we're really left to do is to seek Him and seek Him with all our hearts. And this requires us to be diligent, earnest, endeavoring. And God says, if you do this and you believe who I am, then I'm the rewarder of those who diligently seek me. It's the same as what he's saying in Hebrews 4. You will find mercy and grace in time of need. I will reward this situation. You will stand. That's great hope. That is great confidence. The problem is we live in a generation today, maybe more unlike or more so than every other generation, when it actually, if something doesn't happen immediately, then I don't want it, or it's not going to happen at all. I prayed to God. I asked Him to help me. I asked Him to, to stop me from doing this. I, I, I asked Him to get me out of this temptation, and uh, He didn't answer me. How long did you ask Him for? Well, I, I prayed one night. I, I, I said a prayer. Do you really want to get out of it? Do you really want to stop it? Do you really want to find yourself standing 
and confident and walking as Christ walked and, and living life peacefully and with purpose and knowing that life isn't designed for you to always be defeated, but rather one of success and victory. This is the life of Christians. And so, so what do we do? Do we seek God just for a moment, hoping that somehow he would just answer. He can do that. Don't get me wrong. He can, this is God. God's generous. He can do that. But what he's, what he's calling in our lives is, is if you really believe me, if you really believe that you don't, just, you don't give yourself for a moment and think, that's it, you know, but rather endeavor and seek and believe and hold on and trust that just like that persistent widow to the king in Luke 18, that you would actually continue to believe and trust that God will hear you. He will make you stand. This can be yours, brothers and sisters. Every person in this room, this, this relationship with the Father who, who says, come to me confidently, boldly, come. This can be yours. You don't need to doubt or wish that you're a child of God who has this relationship with, with the Lord. You don't need to think, oh, I wish I was like this, or I, I, I want to be like this, or I wonder if I am like this. You, you can have this confidence in that you are a child of God if you're prepared to come and admit and confess who you are before Him, seek His forgiveness, and trust Him with your life. You don't need to second-guess who you are. You can trust and believe this morning that you are a child of God if you're prepared to do this, to prepare to commit to Him and trust that only He can forgive you of your sins and if you give your life to him that only he can restore your life back to where it should be this is your confidence and this morning if you don't know or you're not sure or you think to yourself i don't get this because that's not my experience you can stop that this morning you can trust this morning and believe that god is waiting for you to trust him not just flippantly but trust him with all your heart and all your life and if you do that, he will demonstrate himself to be strong. He will demonstrate himself to be powerful because he will pour out his love upon you and he will, he will show you how great his love is for you. Will you trust him this morning? Those of you this morning perhaps who don't, haven't really decided to trust him with all your life, what are, you holding, what, what are you holding back? If he's prepared to give you the life that he promises you, what holds you back? And I pray this morning that you, perhaps you have held back for a while, um, but this morning that God speaks, that God speaks, and that you would be prepared to respond uh, to Him. When I speak of the confidence of being confident in the Lord or the confidence we have in life, um, really, I'm not trying to motivate you at the end of the day. If I'm going to speak about anything to do with being confident in life and success in life and victory in life, then I have to speak something of the character of God and who He is. Because this becomes our success and this becomes our victory. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and just finish off this verse and what this verse says to us this morning. 1 Corinthians just go back a few chapters and um, just to give some context, let's read again from verse um, 11, uh, sorry, verse 12 and then into verse 13 as well. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 
because we, we spoke last time how God's intention is for us not to fall. Verse 13, because no temptation is overtaking you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. It's a wonderful verse. God is reminding us again and again as his children that when temptations come in our lives, God is always promising that he'll make a way that we may escape it. So, uh, Sorry, a way of escape that we can bear it, that we can endure it. There's no reference here of having to fall for it. There's no reference here to having to give in to it. Rather, the reference here is God's going to find a way because of who he is that he's going to make a way because of who he is, that you and I are going to be able to endure it or to bear it rather than give into it. So when someone says to you, oh, too bad, you've gone too far now, or what's the point, you've done your dash, that's not true. It's not true. God is always promising his people that if we are prepared, that he's going to make a way of escape that you and I are going to be able to endure it, that we can live with not an attitude of always going to be defeated, but rather one that can say, I'm going to be able to live like Christ in every situation I'm in, even if the person next to me decides not to or is acting anything but like Christ. I want to clarify a couple of things from this verse before I go on. This is talking about temptations of life and, and, and dealing with the temptations of life. But one thing I want to clarify this morning is that there's a bigger issue than just the daily temptations of life. There's a bigger issue at stake here than just the daily temptations where I'm encouraging you that you're able to stand. The bigger issue is this, it's your soul. The bigger issue at hand in this passage, I think, I want to share with you, it is your soul. Because you can spend your life, we can spend our lives dealing with the daily things of life and neglect the care for our soul. We can say, you know what, I'm going to become better in this area, I'm going to become better in that area, I'm going to become better in this area, and neglect the fact that our soul is not right with God. It's like a man who is in his home, in his house, and his house catches on fire. And it sets ablaze really, really quickly. It's like it's happening really, really quickly. And really, logic says you've got to get out because something bigger here is going on. But he just can't get his mind out of the fact that he still has to fix that blind and he's trying to fix that blind. What are you doing fixing that blind? Get out. And as he's trying to get out, he realizes he had spilt milk on the floor and he must clean that floor before he gets out because he's really fixated on cleaning the milk on the floor. And he's saying, what are you fixated about these things for? Get out. And this is how people treat life. People think, you know what, but I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to fix this and I've got to fix that. And the, the house is around them coming down and we're saying, get out, because there's a bigger picture here and that's your soul. Your soul needs to find rest with God. And people come sharing, they, have, they, they, they bring their problems before God and God's caring, God's um, an abundance of care and he'll listen to all our problems. He listens in great ways, just like he, you know, he feeds the sparrows and he dresses the flowers of the field. But when our soul is not right with him, that has to be settled. And if we are not prepared to deal with 
the unforgiveness in our heart. And then there's a bigger problem. Or if we're not prepared to deal with the, the bitterness in our heart or the grudges we hold, then there's a bigger problem at stake here. There's a bigger issue here. If we're not prepared to let go and to love our enemy, then there's a bigger problem here. And we're so fixated on these little things that I need to do in my life and get right. And God's saying, there's a house burning around you. Get out. Get yourself settled. You know, Because all the success in life, all the success in life, dare I say, will burn down around you one day. If your soul isn't right. That's hard to hear, but it's true. And any man who's in that house, and the house is burning around them, I'm sure if I said to him, get out, he's not going to turn around and say, oh, why didn't you let me fix the blind? I'm sure he's not going to say that when he looks back at his house and sees it all come crumbling down. And this is the, this is the, the when we talk about these temptations of life, yes, they are significant and they are important. But if you have not settled your soul and your heart before God, then these things might become a distraction to you and you want to try and fix these things up. But at the end of the day, the house is burning. And it's interesting because some people, you know, often people don't like to take risks, too many risks in life. Some people are a bit of risk takers and and they love the risk in life. But a lot of, a lot of people just don't, don't like to sort of necessarily take risks like, you know, maybe adventure into a certain place or change jobs too often or whatever. People don't really like, often don't like to take risks, yet they would live their life with their soul at risk every day. With their soul at risk. And they'll pursue all the great things of life and make themselves better in life. And yet, every day, their soul is at risk. Like the man in the Scriptures who says, Whoa, I have so much. What am I going to do with it all? I know what I'll do. I'll break everything down. I'll be, build bigger storage and I'll just fill it up again. And God says, You fool. Tonight, your soul is going to be required of you. What are you going to do with everything you have? And so this idea of, not, you know, you don't like to take risks, but we take risks with our soul every day is, is, a, is a serious thing. It's like the person who panics, who panics because their insurance for their house or their car is one day overdue. And they start to panic. And yet every day, every day their soul has no insurance. Their soul is at risk of corruption. It's, it's, it's the way our world has conditioned us that we have to look after what we see and neglect the things that we don't see. And so every day people live with this illusion, this, this false idea that they are going well in life. Everything's traveling okay until they hit a roadblock or they, they hit an accident. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I should have done it. I should, have done, I should have done it. But the day of the Lord is too late. So today is the day that if you hear his voice, you don't harden your heart. It's like, remember, some of you may remember an illustration I shared many, many years ago that I had read overseas. There were people overseas who were sick of the beeping of the sound of their seatbelts. You know when you don't click your seatbelt in? And you hear that beeping sound. I don't know about you, man, but I've got to click it because that sound just gets to me. And I've got to click that, that seatbelt in. And so overseas, what some people had found they were doing, you know, in order to think they were smart, they would just buy the buckle. So they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't strap themselves. They would just buy the actual buckle of the seatbelt, click it in, and they would stop the sound. Because they, they didn't want to wear seatbelts. 
what does that even mean? What are you trying to achieve? This, this false sense of security, this false sense of safety, this false sense of, you know, I'm okay now because I can't hear the sound banging on in my head. Well, you need to hear that sound because that's what that sound is what's going to help save you and rescue you from all the dangers of life. So when you try and quench and smother the voice of God in your heart and mind, that's a risky thing to do. If you try and do things because you just want to pat out God's voice in your head, sure, you might manage to do that, but one day when that collision happens, that's when your life ends. So rather hear God's voice, listen to God's voice, and God forbid you ever become dull of hearing God's voice. Because today you might like it. But I guarantee you that if you, don't, if you don't give your heart to the Lord, if you don't surrender your heart to the Lord and you cover yourself with this illusion that life is going well, one day, I, trust me, one day you will stop hearing the voice of God. And that is a very, very sad day and a dangerous day when you decide to click the seatbelt in without the strap. And so what the Apostle is saying to us um, is something, yes, we are talking about the days, that, or if you like, the daily life of um, of temptation, but there's something much bigger here, and that is your soul. However, the other thing I want to clarify in this verse here is this, and I've been saying it all along, God will always find a way out. Isn't that great? God is always going to find a way of escape. But I want to clarify something here. This, is, this is really fascinates me, because it must be perhaps arguably one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. It's quite fascinating, this verse. Because this is what happens. This is the conversation that happens between people. Yeah, God is good. God is good. You know, but don't worry too much because you know we're always going to sin like that. That's just life. That's normal. You're going to sin. That's and, and they they have the yeah. But but it's true. God always finds a way of escape for us. Hang on. Am I going to? Or does God find a way? Oh no, He does. He always finds a way. He always finds a way if you're prepared to come to Him. But don't stress too much because you're always going to do that. You're likely to do that. I'm, I'm not understanding something here. Is it or isn't it? And so there's these conversations that go on between people that kind of confuses me because I'm thinking, what is it that you're trying to teach and preach here? Are you trying to comfort people to, so that they can have confidence knowing that they come to the throne of grace, they can find help in time of need? Or are you trying to somehow comfort their flesh in that they somehow need to understand that you know, that's how they're conditioned and don't stress too much because you're likely to do that from time to time? It's got to be one or the other. I don't see this scripture allowing for both. So this is our confidence, brothers and sisters. This is our confidence. God will always find a way out. And when people say to you things like, look, don't, don't worry too much. It's, 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 it's normal what you're doing. It's understandable how you're living. Then you've got to ask yourself, are they, are they quoting themselves or some, some theory or some author? Or are they quoting the scriptures? God will always find a way out, brothers and sisters. God will always find a way out. But if you or me, if we choose to keep walking back into the fire or into the house that's on fire, then I don't have any more answers for you. Do you understand? I don't have any more answers for you. If after hearing what I say, you say, you know what, I hear what you say and you decide you want to walk back into that house that's on fire, well, I can't give you anything else. There's nothing else I can give you. 
other than to come back to the, th- the foot of the throne, to come back to the foot of the cross and say, Lord, forgive me. What was I thinking, thinking that I can do this on my own? I confess my selfishness and my attitude to you, and I come humbly before you. Unless we're prepared to do that, every time we walk back into that house, unfortunately, I have nothing else to give you. Life will become for you like um, uh, a thorny weed just, just wrapping around you slowly but surely, slowly but surely. Do you feel like sometimes that's how life is for you? That you think to yourself, why do I keep going back to the same thing again? Why do I keep doing the same thing again? Why do I feel like I'm just being entangled by the same things again in my life, again and again and again and again? Well, if you continue to choose that you want to be like others, you want to pl- uh, always please other people, you always want more of the same thing, or you always want to, you, you, you're committed to holding on to your secret. If you continue to do these things, these are going to continue to wrap around you and just continue to wrap around you to the point where you're just bound. You're bound. You, you, then you're going to find yourself, you have to do it. Because you're, you're committing yourselves to, you're committing yourself to always wanting to be like people or do what other people do or, or find your way in a world that's lost anyway until you're prepared to run out to God who is your helper. Who is your helper? Who do you find yourself calling out to in time of need and vulnerability? Who do you find yourself calling out to in time of weakness where you think, think to yourself, if I don't stop now, I'm going to do something I'm going to regret? Who, who do you find yourself crying out to, calling out to? You can run. Um, I can't stop you from running to anyone, but I'm telling you this morning that here is the Lord who says, come to me. I will make a way of escape. The Bible says that God is our refuge and our strength. Uh, Psalm 46, he's our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. A very present help in time of trouble. Ever try calling someone on the phone? Well, it's not like that anymore, is it? It's like that. Ever try calling someone on the phone and it's urgent and they're not picking up? Where are you? <laughs> Pick up the phone. And it's urgent, you need to get hold of them. And they're not picking up the phone. God's not like that. Yeah, the Bible says he's our refuge and our strength. He's a very present help in time of trouble. That word refuge is a really important word because anyone who may know of someone who has experienced what it is to live in a dangerous situation, whether it's a country or in a family, and have to flee that situation, that's the most scary thing to do. It's one of the most scariest things to do is to flee what you're familiar with, who you are, what's home for you. You have to get out of that because it's risky and it's dangerous. Because you know if you stay there, it could cost your life. And you've got to get out of the situation. You've got to find a place of refuge. A place where you know you can go to, you'll be welcomed, you'll be safe, you'll be looked after, you'll be fed, you'll be cared for. Because you don't need to stay in a situation that will destroy you. And God says, you know what I am to you? I'm a refuge and I'm a strength. I'm a very present help in time of trouble. It reminds me of the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea. A lot of you would know this story. And the only thing I want to share about this story is this, that when Egypt left there, um, sorry, not Egypt, when Israel left their uh, place of destruction, Egypt, and they fled, 
And they then they were facing the Red Sea, and then all behind them was the army of Egypt. And whenever they were stuck in the middle, then the only thing that could go through their minds was, I'm dead, I'm gone, I'm dead, I'm gone. Because before them was a sea that was, if they went in there, they'd be gone. They couldn't swim it. And behind them was an army. If they stayed, they'd be gone. They couldn't stand up against them. And so God says to them, I'm your refuge and I'm your strength. When it seems impossible. See, our default is it seems impossible, therefore I'm bound to do it. But God is always telling us in the scriptures, when it's impossible, come to the throne of grace. Find help in time of need. Um, Come boldly and believe. And that's why Moses was able to stand up and say, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And that's why the scriptures tell us the sea parted, because he believed in the faithfulness of God. What seemed impossible, of course, we know is possible with him. And as I shared, I think, last week with you, sometimes the hardest thing, brothers and sisters, sometimes the hardest thing or the greatest temptation or the strongest temptation is the temptation to stop believing. It's the temptation to say, I just can't keep believing. That's sometimes the strongest temptation. If you can fight that and if you can work through that and if you can keep holding on to the Lord, even though the temptation is always just pounding in your head saying, I don't know if I can keep believing. I don't know if I can keep believing. And sometimes that is the, most, that is the strongest temptation. And if you can keep holding on, believing in what the Lord has said, allow His truth to uh, somehow swamp our flesh, then I, I believe and I know through experience and through the Word of Christ that you will overcome, that you will overcome. So he finds a way of escape that we can bear it. Interestingly, sometimes people read this verse and they think, yeah, my temptation's going to go. <laughs> but that's not what the Scripture's saying. Scripture's not saying your temptation's going to disappear. In fact, it's saying it may stay and it may go. It's not saying either way. It's just saying God's going to find a way for you to endure it. God's going to find a way for you to be able to bear it. And interestingly, often the way we know. It's not some magical way that God's going to reveal in this time that he's never revealed to anyone before in history. It's not like God has changed and thought, and changed with the times and thought, oh, 2022, I better, I better tell them another way of dealing with temptation. Because <laughs> I forgot to tell them, I didn't realize this back in the day. God hasn't changed because man hasn't changed. And so often the way we know what we need to do, whether, you know, often it's, it's built on the promises of God's word and our willingness to come to the end of ourselves and trust in his word and his word alone. When he says to us things like, flee youthful lusts, get out of it, often it's the same thing. Or he asks us to keep our minds fixed on him. It's often it's the same thing. But he always promises to make a way for us to bear it. His love is far greater, brothers and sisters. His love is far greater than all the circumstances of life. And his love will always precede every temptation that we face. So we have some confidence here that if we wait on the Lord, what will happen? He'll renew our strength. That if we're trusting him, and waiting on him, even while the, 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 the temptations are raging around us, he promises that he's going to renew our strength. 
We have some confidence here, brothers and sisters. The Bible tells us that blessed is the man, the woman, who endures temptations. Who endures them. What's their confidence? They will receive the crown of life. Because this is the confidence, this is the promise of God's Word. When we come before Him this morning, we come believing in a Father that is absolutely committed to helping His children. We don't come doubting or second-guessing. We come believing. And we trust and know that what He says, He will do because He is faithful. Amen. Let me pray for us this morning. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak. That if this morning there is... um, If we haven't settled the big... I guess the big question of our soul. This morning I pray that if your soul is unsettled or not at rest this morning, I'm going to ask you to think and pray if you desire this morning to find rest in your soul. I'm going to ask you this morning to come and ask the Lord To rest your soul. If there's something that's holding you back from finding your peace with God, then this morning I pray, I ask you, seek the Lord. Tell Him, seek Him. Say, Lord, I'm not at peace with you. I'm not at rest with you. You know, I'm fighting daily life, daily battles, but I know there's a bigger issue at stake here that I haven't settled in my soul. I know that I'm trying to become something, be something, dare I say even pretend to be something. But at the end of the day, the house around me is burning. And he's not far from us. Very simple. And if we come to him this morning and we confess our sins to him, if we acknowledge and confess them to him, we say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for the sins that I've committed. Forgive me for the life I've lived, for the way I've tried to live it on my own. Forgive me. You died on the cross for my sins. You died that I may have life. You died that I may be forgiven. Ask him this morning. Don't hesitate. Don't be embarrassed. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. It's you and God. It's just you and God. And we trust this morning that as the children of God that we can come before our helper, our maker, knowing with absolute confidence that if we come boldly to the throne of grace, he's there to help us and provide mercy and grace in time of need. Don't let the enemy cause you to doubt, but always trust in his word and his word alone. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord God, for this morning. We thank you for all your goodness and your grace. You seek us out, you find us, you help us, and you continue to pour out your promises to us, Lord. We thank you for this. Pray for anyone in this place this morning that's hearing your word that has not settled the great issue of their soul, Lord, the great concern and pain of their soul. We pray that this morning that they do so, that you show yourself merciful and kind to them. As they confess their sins, that they would be assured and reassured of your love for them and your acceptance of them 
they don't, do not put this off any longer. And Father, we pray that you would continue to instill in our hearts and our minds only the truths of your word, not what we hear around us, not what we see around us, Father, and sometimes not even what we experience, but rather what your word has to say. And we come before your throne today. We come as your children with all our needs, believing and trusting in all that you provide for us because you are good and you are faithful. Bless your people, Father, I pray. Bless them in the week ahead as well. In Jesus' name, amen.